Welcome back to Fortitude, folks. J.W. Wilson with my co-host Brenton Payne across the table. Uh, we are brought to you by Captex Bank, the greatest thing going in banks around this town. You know why, Brenton? Because they're a local bank. They're not some big national conglomerate. And if you want to talk to the boss, Mike Thomas. No cap. I'm back. You can talk to him whenever you want, like 2 o'clock in the morning. Sometimes we text him there to see what he's doing. <laughs> he doesn't respond always instantly, but he will get back to you. He's one of those kind of guys. So uh, think think cap text when you think about banking. He is the guy who introduced me to the concept of buying a certain type of bed to so you don't have to wear the CPAP deal. Do you have snoring issues, either of you guys? Not that I know no. of. I've never no. heard myself. I don't think so. I don't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that's. I don't think. No, we're pretty okay. I got a humidifier by the bed. I got an air this purifier. This is not surprising. Uh, yeah, but no CPAP. But one time I did go to a buddy's place, uh, Jay Barksdale, yeah. and he was living in this small place in Austin for the legislative session. And I was like, what's this contraption by your bed? And he just go, looks at me and goes, that's a marriage saver, man. That's what that is. <laughs> and I guess that the CPAPs are. So I guess we're not going to talk about uh, what we had planned to, but we can talk it's about okay. CPAPs if you want. No, let's talk about, let's, let's, I want to ask you about the, the, the situation in Ukraine, the war with Russia. Mm, we'll and, just get and, off a light topic and it, go heavy. Well, let's go, because I want to know what, what you're thinking. I've never so asked So I got a yet. friend uh, from Russia who I grew up with, and um, he lives in the, uh, he lives actually in Denton County, but he's he owns a couple of businesses around here. He's got uh, like a hundred IT guys in Belarus, and uh, he has he sends me plenty of information that he sees as like very objective, you know, and just kind of has tried to explain and done a pretty good job on the history of mm -hmm. what's going on there. I mean, it's a different place. I watched a documentary on Netflix called I think it's called Winter on Fire, and it talked about the 2014 yeah. activities that took place. Right, and the one common theme with all this is. Somebody read a post on social media and somebody took to the streets. Like, I mean, I do think that that is kind of just part of this rhetoric now with this. But, um, yeah, I, I hate to see that that conflict like that. But there's also a part of me that's like this has been going on going on over there for a long time. And, you know, yeah. how much of a part do we Definitely need to play? What do you world. guys think? Feel what do you think? I think it's pretty interesting. Um, I didn't think we would ever see like air to air combat really again. Um, I thought it would any future wars after probably um you know our shock and awe campaign and that sort of thing would be insurgent type war so i thought it was interesting to see um dog fighting and tanks and and that sort of thing i read or i heard on the radio actually um that a lot of there that ukraine has recruited Zelensky has recruited 300,000 ukrainian it folks to wage essentially social media war but not with misinformation they um it's very important to uh, the ukrainians to only present truthful information mm -hmm. because they don't want to sink down to the putin level sure, of, sure. of uh, trickery and nonsense so i i think um i think it's interesting i think Zelensky yeah. has presented himself as being really competent and i mean at the risk of being too casual really cool mm -hmm. throughout filming mm -hmm. himself in the streets and um, carrying his iphone around and wearing his gear and and it's a, it's an interesting situation. It is. I mean, it's interesting in the like cultural difference of like us in this country and there, where it seems real commonplace to just to fight like that. Like the, the, it's like a very like warring part of the world. I don't yeah. know how else to say it. You know, where I mean, we'd be lucky to get our kids off the couch. You know, like I mean, I cannot I cannot imagine if right. just imagine our lives. Like, come on, guys, we gotta gather up the family. Um, Wives and children, you know, go one place, and then the dads are all going down to mm -hmm. 
Sundance Square or something. Yeah, know, yeah. Right. Take to the streets. With, or yeah, something. with your cowboy gun. Yeah, you know, whatever you can find. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then the and the weather, like that whole thing, winter on fire was like it took place from like October through February or March, and it's just brutal, man. I mean, you're freezing out there. Right. It's just it's like there's a ton of history and. Well, I think it kind of leads to this subject we're about to talk to. A ton of art is probably, yeah, and sure. maybe you guys know more about this. Does art emerge from places like this? You know, it's like it's almost like the 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 pain has got to come out and come to the surface one way. And it seems like through arts and music, it, a lot of times it does. You know, I'd be really surprised if if no really if no art came out of this at all. That would be really surprising. I mean, yeah. So I think the the. The only real answer is yes. I mean, for sure, it will, it will inspire all of the above. The voice you're hearing, Britton Payne, belongs to that of a good guy, a longtime friend of both of ours, the managing partner of the William Campbell Gallery here in Fort Worth. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Peter Howe. We Thank are you. honored to be in your presence today. Thank you for having me. We made him smile. That's it's right. been a long time since I've been able to make Peel smile, man. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Peel's one of our one of our buds. Like I said, we've known you a long time. You've got a really cool story. You do a really cool thing now, which we're going to delve into here. Uh, before we talk about the gallery that you manage so well, uh, where are you from? I am from Fort Worth, third generation on both sides. Very nice. Your, your family, though, has got a little bit of a story, right? Some of your distant relatives have done some things. Yeah, they've done some things. You want to sure. talk about that? or um, It's kind of a long story. Um, Give us the give us the one minute or two minute version of that. <laughs> uh, let's see. I guess it has. I guess the quickest way to do it is to talk about my wife's engagement ring and that it came from a uh, a Filipino estate that belonged to my grandfather's aunt's husband, and they were uh, put in a concentration camp during uh, World War II when the Japanese invaded the Philippines. And uh, my great great aunt. Uh, buried all of her jewelry in a 50-gallon drum in the Philippines, and then they dug it up after the war and brought it back. And so that's that's where my wife's... And that sits Man. on your wife's finger. Yeah. That's yep. pretty cool. That is yeah. a cool story. What so about what high school did your like your parents go to? Pascal? My, my dad went to Eastern Hills, and my mom went to Arlington Heights. Okay. And then what about your grandparents? Uh, let's, my grandparents, um, my grandfather, my dad's dad is from Georgia. He came over when he was 14. Mm-hmm. He wound up going to TCU. I actually don't know where he went to high school. Okay. And my... my um, my mother's mother and father were from East Texas, um, a little town called Cossie, I believe, originally. And I um, also don't know where – I think – no, wait. No, my, my mom's mother went to um, – I think she went to Northside. Actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could be wrong about that. Yeah. It's, some, it's we'll one of the old fa- Fort Worth we'll fact sure. checkers dr- yeah, dig yes. that one up. Yeah. So when did art uh, – during your course of your childhood, when did when did you realize you had an affinity for art? You, you re- you're an artist and you're an art – gallery manager or director when when did you realize the art was something special in your life probably in high school um it was in high school i mean i'd always enjoyed it we went to santa fe quite a bit and did a lot of gallery walking when i was a kid and i probably absorbed it then um but i went to trinity valley and trinity valley had a, a really sweet art program when i was there in high school they built a big a big studio art room with you know it's two stories, essentially two stories high, north facing windows, natural light, concrete floors, all sorts of tools and mm-hmm. lumber and everything. Yeah, and that was a nice place. It was real. So you could get in there and get after it, especially in those days. They would just turn you loose with the miter saw or power washer or yeah. whatever. We got to build all our own stretchers and that sort of thing. So, and when I was a senior, um, there were two sort of created classes independent art and advanced art, which really just meant 
you got to hang out in the art room in the afternoon, uh, which was, and they just turned you loose. You know, it was like a, it was a very environment, very geared towards cultivating creativity. Yeah. And Let you go in the direction that yeah, you yeah. saw fit. Absolutely. Yeah. That's really cool. So when I got to TCU, I mean, I had pretty much already done what they were teaching at TCU, at least for drawing one and some of those. What classes. did you study at TCU? I studied studio art for the first two years until, um, I was required to present a portfolio and I wasn't ready. And I, I didn't really want to, uh, mm -hmm. for a number of different juvenile and immature reasons. So I, uh, I switched my major to uh, philosophy and got a degree in philosophy. Very nice. You've had a little bit of a delve into politics prior to this. Yes. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> I worked, uh, as a district director for a state representative for two sessions. Um, and then did some, uh, Political consulting, social media, data aggregation. Nice. So today we find you find yourself as the managing partner of William Campbell Gallery, like I mentioned. Tell us about William Campbell, please. William Campbell Gallery is in its forty eighth year. Uh, it, yeah, it was um, founded in nineteen seventy four by Bill and Pam Campbell. They had a little store over on Camp Bowie, which is only about hundred yards from where the gallery is now. Uh, started out is a poster store um, and then switched over into contemporary art and uh, moved into the buyer's location building in uh, 1981. <coughs> Bill bought the building in 1980, but they didn't move in until 1981. So they've been, that gallery and that space has been there for, uh, count it, what, 42 years? Oh, really? Years? Yeah. Is there like a common theme? Uh, I'll ask you more about like just art in general, but is it all local artists? Does it have, can it be from all over? Like how, you know, when you have a gallery, what's, do you, do you set up the gallery? Like the goal is we're going to do, just do this kind of artwork and these type of artists, or does it, does it vary? Or, or you don't even want to hinge yourself to something like that. Well, it varies. Um, I've found that anytime you put a rule in place in the art world, it's bound to change. Mm -hmm. It always changes. Something will come up. There's always exceptions. There's so no, there's no, hard and fast quality or property that that our gallery looks for in artwork it's all contemporary art in other words it's all being the artists are all making art uh in the present we don't look for anything apart from i think a real uh mastery of material a certain sense of direction uh, a certain sort of cultivated perspective a paradigm a way of looking at the world from the artist's perspective, uh, we have about 42, 44 artists, depending on how you count them. About half of those are from Texas. About half of that are from the Fort Worth area. A mm -hmm. um, couple from South Texas. The rest are throughout the United States. Um, Vancouver, Germany, by way of no, Vancouver, by way, way of the Netherlands, and then two German artists, one of who lives in Maine. <coughs> so pretty much spread out yeah really. yeah how difficult is it for an artist generally speaking i've heard stories about new york people new york artists trying to find a place to represent them a gallery and it's 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 really really tough yeah. but how hard is it for an artist <coughs> these days with the internet and all that it's doing how difficult is it for the artist to find a gallery to represent them i think it's it's still very difficult there are a lot of artists and that's not to say that they don't all deserve some recognition and representation, but it's about like trying to get a record deal. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's great, a ton of great bands that make a ton of great music that are never going to get a record deal. 
So it is very difficult still. And um, what do you think that like reason is? I think it's just volume. Yeah, I really do. It's a great analogy, by the way. The record, I like that. Yeah, one. thank you. There's just too too many. There's yeah, too there's much. too many. Yeah. I mean, I would. We love heard to... that pushback on our podcast a little bit, but we we pushed through and continued. You guys endured. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good. No, but it's just yeah. You think there's just so much out there? Yeah, there's so much. And at 44, we're really at capacity because yeah. each of the each of those relationships is very personal. Art is a very personal endeavor. Uh, it takes a lot of emotion and, and passion and, and investment. So you have to reciprocate that with your artists because um, you don't have a good gallery unless you have good artists and good art. So it's 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 a a time thing, you know. Yeah. You just don't unless you have unless you want to get get bigger and hire more people, yeah, and more people to handle the work and the. Um, the inventory and the artists and the artist relations and all the things that go into that. Um, Dude, can an artist uh, like have multiple galleries? Sure, they're represented by. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, Is that typical? Uh, it's different yeah, parts it's of the typical. country for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Some artists only have one gallery. Some have five or six. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends kind of on what stage of in their career, where they are in their career, and their demand. If they can maintain that kind of representation. Yeah. Or if it's a better fit for them to just have one gallery. Otis Jones shows with us. He shows um, at Barry Whistler. Uh, he shows at Nino Meyer in L.A. He shows at Sun- Sunday S in Copenhagen. Sorry, we're closed in Brussels. So he's all, he, he can, that's a, a good model for his career at this point because he can sustain that kind of demand. Now, does it do like a tour where he like goes gallery to gallery to gallery to gallery kind of thing? Or No, no that- it's individual shows that go out to the gallery. Okay. And then let's say if there's like a hundred artists, how many are starving and mm-hmm. how many are in this space? You know, like, because I got to think you've accomplished something. You've made it. Yeah. If yeah. you've got a gallery, right. right you know, right. but how many, like, what's the break on those numbers? And then how many are maybe in a gallery, but they're not selling any art. They're like, are actually making a livable wage. Right. Right. Um, so we have artists that I, I think you could plot across the spectrum for that. Um, a, a, it seems like a good career choice for a, a professional artist is to also be involved in academics. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of artists that are tenured professors, um, UTA, a number from UT Austin, San Marcos mm-hmm. uh, has a great art school. So that's a good, cause you get to be around the work yeah. and you know, you live in, in and around art and artists and that that's your life we have some that work other jobs too that are are not related at all to making art yeah um mostly out of necessity i think they would all just make art if that's uh if that was feasible Mm -hmm. for them something recent has happened to the gallery uh something big can you uh describe that for us we opened a second space which i've not a new space because that can be it is new but it's not the new space right it's the second space because the buyer's location is still open. The new location is on Faux Street uh, over on the north side of um, 7th Street. So in between White Settlement and 7th Street in the Foundry District. And it, I'm trying to it, think where that is. It conjoins with, a new, with another business, of friendly. Right, yeah. Charlie and Company, who Charlie just moved company. in this week. They moved right. in Wait, it's over there by Angelo's? Yeah, by Angelo's. It's right Across down, the street? Right down the street from uh, Clay Pigeon. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Same side? Mm-hmm. Yeah, same side. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And what what and so th- w- currently what shows are up? 
Currently in that location, we have a show called Kramer Kleberg Reverb, which is a true collaboration between Paul Kramer and Matt Kleberg. Um, they worked together from the genesis of uh, the idea of the show and um, came up with 18 paintings total. Matt's got eight. Paul's got ten. Uh, it's a it's a really it's interesting to watch them work together because artists don't always do that well. Yeah, it's um, but they it was almost seamless. I mean, they did it. Paul took Paul is a graphic designer by original trade, and so he took some of Matt's paintings and did little vignettes and blew them up, combined some of Matt's colors and and created his own palette. Uh, but they're they're interesting to see together because you can tell that they weren't the paintings weren't created separately and then just hung together for a show like it's not a two-person show in that it's not like separate it's coming right. from separate places they've they right. you you can tell by the work that it was collaborative like Correct. from the onset from the beginning right yeah yeah, yeah. does that happen very often like do they or, or did you guys do that by saying hey you two dudes should meet each other and do this it happened pretty quickly we just got on a conference call and asked them if they wanted to do a show together and they sort of took it over from that i didn't hear anything for yeah like two months you didn't even know you, you i knew they were doing it but i kept having to check in and say like, yeah hey, you guys need something like is yeah. everything cool yeah and they were they're both so good and so laid back paul finally called me and said yeah we're good yeah no worries do, do you need anything? I mean, yeah. like, cause a lot of artists, you know, they, they, they like to check in a lot. They yep. kind of have to, have to maintain a sure two or three times at least a week. And these guys were just super easy. Yeah. Like, we'll so, have it done. It's cool. No worries. That's cool. Yeah. So Peeler, we have put together a slideshow presentation behind you for you to go through some of the artists in their respective pieces. Um, probably go six or seven pieces. These are artists represented by William Campbell. Correct. Yes, correct. I'd, okay. hope, I'd hope you spend a minute or two on each piece, kind of give sure. us the, the, the really the good nuts and the bolts on it and who it is and maybe what's interesting about the piece because uh, I think everything everybody has, all these artists have something they really specialize in and what they're really good at. It'd be fun to learn kind of a little bit about what's going on. All okay. right, but before you start, like what makes great art? Like, I mean, you know, I could draw a little bit. Like, it's very hard, especially in the kind of art that you guys are dealing with. Yeah. You know, Eric Lee came on. He spoke a lot about the historical aspects. Like, mm -hmm. this guy's the first guy who paints a landscape, like, in, in the beautifying of the landscape. I remember that kind of stuck out. And, like, there was a lot of historical aspect in this day and age with so many tools, you mm -hmm. know, uh, including what's behind you. And I think that we're going to pull up one of these pieces, maybe. It's, like, using digital, like, all this stuff. It's, like... What makes somebody sit there and go, that's art, man. Like, that's good. I want to put, I want to pay like thousands, is it tens of thousands. Is it demand? Is it simply demand? Somebody wants your stuff? No, I don't think it's demand. I think that that has a component that's certainly relevant when you're running an art business or have a, even a museum or, or something like that. But no, I think it's, um, I think it's packaging and presentation it's consideration and then by packaging that sounds kind of trivial but that gets you into material and uh, the decision to use certain materials and then using them correctly and using mm -hmm. them very well um, the consideration is what do I want to demonstrate yeah with those materials and then there's an intention like then to go out and present it with this idea of creating an aesthetic emotion or movement in the viewer. Yeah. So all of those things together. So you have 
some like a consideration even you know um like the duct tape banana that showed up at art basel miami i saw it right i saw it yeah i'm not familiar a lot of people would say you know that's that's not art but i would ask you know i think it's it's the um i think the burden of proof is on the person that claims that because well why not i mean it's been it's material and items that have been considered and then presented mm-hmm. to elicit a certain reaction in the viewer and it certainly did i mean you you know about it yep. yeah i know about it mm-hmm. so the guy duct taped a banana to the wall and we're sitting here talking about it mm-hmm. so there's that component too is it great no yeah not really yeah. i mean i think it's kind of fun and interesting but how much of it is like the story behind it right like so i remember reading about it the modern they had this guy who would build like out of paper these scenes like he built the scene from when they grabbed those guys from the boat from the boston marathon bombing yeah like yeah. he recreated it and then all that and then he takes a picture and then he burns it down like, yeah there's like this whole process that exists where it's almost like with some music where it's like if you're just to listen it's like i don't know man if i get that but then if somebody explained to you like how many samples or whatever like mm-hmm. the process right. it's like wait a minute and then maybe that's kind of like the eye of the beholder too where it's like the satisfaction of the the actual piece owner is like why i love it is because this guy went through so much to do this and then that makes me feel really good that something was so painstaking you know yeah yeah um that's i don't think that's an original idea really that's um i think the idea behind the buddhist um sand mandalas that yeah. they create yeah. and spend all of this time is like hyper involved hyper tedious and then it just it blows away, mm-hmm. you know. So there's this idea of, of uh, sort of the temporary nature of almost anything. A lot of artists, and I look for this in particular, make work that is durable and should endure. We, you know, we have a frame shop and we um, use archival materials so that it will last forever, yeah. right? You know, but it never it never does. I mean, it la- it can last a long time, and we can wander off down these you know tangential roads. But I think the idea behind that is like. There's this huge investment, this very tedious investment to make something beautiful that just floats away, burns yeah. away, gets yeah. blown away, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Like Thanksgiving dinner. You spend three days cooking it and 10 minutes eating it. That's a it. great analogy, it man. Is. Destroyed before, as soon as certain family <laughs> yeah, yeah. members show up through the door, yeah. like the tone, boom, done. Done. Okay, yep. should we get started? All right, started? Bill. Yeah, well, the slideshow show today is, is gallery, is art from your gallery. Uh, this is brought to you by Captex Bank. So thank you, Captex, for making all this stuff happen for us. Um, I put some little you, like uh, thoughtful music is, in there just so we this can. This is lovely. Peel, yeah. are you ready? Cool. Yeah. All right, ready. here we go. This is Otis Jones. Uh, it's one of the more recent paintings that we had from Otis. It was a commission that went down to a gentleman in uh, Dominican Republic. But it's a great example of where Otis is now in his career. Um, so this is acrylic and uh, linen canvas on a wood platform and Otis has really pushed expanding his paintings out into a sculptural area where Wait, so this isn't a picture of a sculpture this is a painting well it, it's both it's a it's a painting and a sculpture so he's blurring the lines between painting and sculpture between two dimensions and three dimensions and showing you at the same time this this celebration of material with the staples and the glue and the paint it's a uh, it's very 
it's raw for sure, but it's also very refined. If you were, they're very tactile. If you were to touch it, it has this great tactile rawness, but the paint is like paper smooth. It's got, it's just great. It's this kind of saturation of the senses all the way around. And the color is in person, this, this beautiful kind of periwinkle color doesn't translate well digitally, but art doesn't really translate unless it's digital art. Yeah, like I can't tell. Is this yeah. like hanging on a wall or is this the picture of the sculpture? This is a picture of the painting that's hanging on a wall, but it but comes out like just, five inches. Just yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, this is for Peeler, by the way. I'm just wanted to remind I'm you. I'm asking you to get Peeler to explain it more. I've known Peeler maybe longer. Who's no? Peeler was in my wedding. Can he, we get back to the slideshow? Do you mind? <laughs> um, okay, one quick. How much points do you get as an artist for that inventiveness, right? The newness of what you kind of, right? Because he's kind of, is he new at adding the two together or no? No, not not new, but no. to anybody that was familiar, this would be immediately recognizable as an Otis Jones painting. Okay. Um, and yes, points for that, sure. But he's a, he's a, a master craftsman. Again, we get back into materials. He's a, a master at handling the materials, and he's done something unique and really, really interesting with the material. Although a lot of people don't, it I didn't understand Otis's work at first. Mm -hmm. I thought it, I did really know what it was. Yeah. And in fact, this particular painting, um, a dear friend of ours, my wife's, was uh, cleaning up the gallery, and she put it in the throwaway pile, like <laughs> no the, junk, the junk pile. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, <laughs> Otis, Otis Jones, local guy. He's in Dallas. Yeah. Dallas, uh -huh, yeah. fairly local. So, how much is something like that? Is there an asking price? Can I ask that? Is that rude yeah, to you, ask that? Or you, I don't you know. You just did. Well, I mean, why you, are you looking at me? Because at you stopped me from asking other questions. So, Peeler. Uh, this I'm is. Uh, my hand up so I'll give you. I'll Peeler. give you a range. This is um, depending on dimensions. This one was about twenty-four by nineteen or twenty. It was about sixteen thousand. Mm. All right. Moving on to the next one, Peel. That was the longest two minutes of I know, ever. I know. That's all right. It's all right. Each though. one will be like this and getting longer. Okay, this is a Matt Kleber painting that's in our current show. It's uh, 11 feet by 9 feet, and it's oil stick on canvas. Um, <clears throat> this one is called um, a Cast Family Portrait. And uh, Matt has this idea of creating these three-dimensional portals in two dimensions, and he considers each of them to be um, an individual, in this case, his family. Uh, I think the idea came to him like when his kids were climbing on top of him. Um, and each portal is, is sort of this existential entity of individuality. And he stacked them on top of each other because his kids were climbing all over him. Like, you know, kids do, um, they could go on about that one too, but He's in the new show, you said? Yeah, he's in the new show. And what's his name again? Matt Kleber. Matt Kleber. Very yeah. good. Okay. This is Pete Meyer, who we got introduced to last year. He paints out of Buckhill Falls, Pennsylvania. This is... Um, it's a painting. Yeah, it's a painting. It's a, a waterborne um, paint that he gets from DuPont. And uh, it's about 28 or 30 layers of this waterborne paint. He uses an airbrush, traditional brush, his finger. Um, it's What's not, waterborne mean? Waterborne, like, like, yeah, yeah. Water like, base. Right. Like okay. acrylic is a waterborne paint because mm -hmm. it's water soluble. And the, I, that's, that works well because 
Pete only uses 10 colors and then he stacks the colors to create new colors and you have to be able to see through them to do that. So at like 30 layers, this is painted on aluminum and then it's clear coated. And what you really get is sort of this mirror effect. The light really refracts through the paint and bounces. So they look like they're illuminated, but they're not. But so it's, it's aluminum substrate, waterborne paint, and then they're clear coated at a body shop. It's really, it's a, for sure. And ultra, did, it's a paint job. Does he fantastic. paint over a photograph? No, no, no. He, okay. in fact, he only uses photographs as reference, but this is an original image. Um, in other words, it's a painting of a snow monkey, but it's not a painting of a photograph. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So in that, in that sense, Pete is not a traditional photorealist because he doesn't paint photographs. He uses photographs for reference and then he creates his own image. Do you think that he tries to find subjects that are like super popping with light yes. in order yeah. to like do or that with his, he, he likes really strong, right in your face kind of stuff. He's a car guy. He was the senior designer at GM from 1969 to 1980. So he likes to paint cars to scale, one-to-one scale. He painted a Clydesdale for Anheuser-Busch corporate headquarters that's the size of a Clydesdale, that sort of thing. So he Approximate went, price. For this one, um, I believe you it can do a range. is. It's for this one. I or just, Clydesdale. You, any, the Clydesdale, I don't know because that went straight to. Um, yeah. Uh, this one I think is the 90, 90 range, hundred. Oh, 90, how, how long does it take Peter to make a piece like this? Wait, or? ninety thousand. Mm-hmm. But that's a but big it's piece. large. It's yeah. large. Yeah. How long does it take Peter to to make his pieces? About is three it? or four months generally. So more than two piece. minutes. More than. Uh, yeah, but he works pretty fast. He works really fast. Seriously. Well yeah. He's yeah. just good. Yeah, he's just he's a master. He's he's just a master at it. I mean, it's just it's really incredible to watch him work, which I've had the privilege of doing. He just know, and I asked him, like for a hubcap that he painted, how he knew what the reflection in the hubcap should look like, and he just he very he said, I just I mean I just know it's like I'm I just know it's like having perfect pictures. He just yeah, and then what happens? You see people like that, then their confidence takes over, and it's like unstoppable. Yeah, right? yeah like yeah. they they don't approach it with any apprehension, and when that confidence is in there, then it's like. They're working on another level, you know? It's crazy. <laughs> and Pete's in his mid-70s. He's, he's from Brooklyn. He was an MP in Vietnam. He's a confident guy. Yeah. He's re- very yeah. cool music guy. You'd like him. You very, can tell, man. Yeah. Very cool, Pete. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the next one. This is uh, Beverly Penn. This one is um, cast bronze. And so Beverly was trained as a jeweler. Um, How big? This one, I think it's 80 by, yeah, it's 80 by 80. Oh, wow. So, um, what's that like as big as this TV? Yeah, seven, seven feet, eight inches by yeah. seven feet, eight inches. Uh, it's cast bronze. She uses actual plant clippings to make the casts. And when she fires the molds around the plant clippings, it obliterates the plant matter. And then she has a centrifuge that throws molten bronze up into the that casting. So she gets these very, these, they're, they're cast bronze, um, botanicals and then she arranges them in these sort of these beautiful arrangements which has the sort of ironic effect of being exactly like nature but not at all like what you would find in nature well and then you go back to this theme of like something being born out of just something destroyed yes exactly you know Mm kind of similar to that other that's fantastic and she's local uh san marcus san marcus that's incredible too all right we'll call that local yeah it's maybe it's local this is Michelle Benoit. She is a sculptor out of Rhode Island. 
This is um, one of her Windrose series sculptures. She works with uh, recycled lucite, and um, a lot of her lucite she gets from old sheets of bulletproof glass. Um, so she makes these whimsical but very accomplished um, sculptures out of lucite, which had, were born out of you know, the sort of, with the sort of violent purpose. Mm and uh, repurposes them into something beautiful. They're also very heavy, which I love, because they look light and ephemeral, but they're really, really heavy. Um, she Did works, she dye the lucite? She paints on the back of the sheets with acrylic. Okay. And then she stacks the acrylic. She makes these shapes with uh, a miter saw. Mm. So when you get one that works, there's this huge amount of time and work between uh, getting the material, working it, you know, making sure it doesn't chip or fracture or break. Yeah. And then the final product is an accumulation of a huge amount of work. And then she's got something behind it so it stips, keeps off the wall. Yeah, they sit on a cleat, on an on acrylic cleat. They're, this one's about like five inches deep. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Nice feel. This is Paul Kramer. This is one of the paintings that we have in uh, the Reverb show with Matt Kleberg. Um, and, and Paul, where he's... Like I said, he started out as a graphic designer, moved into painting. Um, he designs his paintings graphically, and then he paints them on canvas. But um, they're very flat in that in that sort of uh, acrylic kind of way. They don't have a lot of depth immediately until you until you're in front of the painting. But this is uh, one of, that he did um, in collaboration with Matt, uh, where he took some of Matt's colors and then combined them and just did his kind of own geometric riff on um what what the ideas they had been working on what can i guess the name of it and percent no it's called, no it's called kleberg 08 <laughs> Much I, 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 I might not have guessed that <laughs> yeah, one probably not <laughs> how, how old a guy is paul i think paul's about 53 three but is there art in just the brush stroke right oh, like yeah. the, the way that it's like <laughs> so uniform like there you can't see where like how big is this one uh, this one is 60 by 90. Oh, yeah. So it's big. Yeah. So it's five feet by. But you can't see like the end of like th no. that's done a certain way. And you can't see it in person either. Matt called Paul the master of the sponge brush. Mm. And I think that's true. Uh, but there's a huge amount of touch and into get to applying the paint properly yeah. on, on canvas like that. Because this one's on, on canvas. It's paint on canvas. Mm. How long will the show be up for, Pilo? Through May 14th. Long. This is Frank Tolbert. This is in our current show at the Byers location. Uh, this is an extension of a project that Frank started in 2014 called the Texas Bird Project. So Frank is from Houston. He's he lives in Houston. Um, and he started he's painted a number of different things over the years. But for about the last eight years, he's been doing Texas birds. This this one uh, show is almost essentially dedicated to everybody's favorite bird, the grackle. <laughs> which uh, yeah. I really find quite charming. And again, this one is a, a really beautiful painting in person. Um, but the grackles, you know, Frank is kind of like, he likes to paint anhingas, the big water turkey kind of birds that yeah. fly over town, you know, yeah, that sort of thing. A lot of people, and I, I love birds, so, but you know, blue jays and cardinals and, and eagles and all that are great. But Frank likes to kind of pick the birds that, you know, you might drive by and not really care about. But grackles are kind of funny and 
you know, they're smart and brave and the males are really pretty. They have that kind of blue black iridescence and Britain, what do you think? Sunset or sunrise? Uh, set just from grackle knowledge of my own but like what i liked is in that typically those grackles are out mm-hmm. when the most beautiful sunsets yeah, occur. yeah it's yeah. like a changing of the season and something's just i guess it's more in the fall you know the i think spring. of them on hewland like over there by that like me casino and across from heights it's like crazy grackle. Yeah, yeah but it's almost what triggered me was like the sunsets were like that. Like, it was just a beautiful sunset like that. These colors are fantastic. Yeah. And they gather in the evenings, you know, and all powwow together and make a lot of Who would have known the three of us just 20 years yeah. ago? We're <laughs> talking about art, man. <laughs> okay, this is uh, Benito Huerta. It's called The uh, Crown of Creation. <clears throat> and it's also a really large painting. It's 84 by 84. Damn. We had this one in a show about three years ago. Yeah, about three years. Tell ago. us about Benito real quick. Benito is the uh, curator and director of the gallery at UTA, and he's also a painting instructor there. Um, he teaches a professional practices course there. He's got a huge history. We could do a whole thing on Benito. This one is um, kind of derivative of uh, Frida Kahlo, who used to paint herself as being hunted as a deer. Um, it also has a, a reference to... Uh, James Ensor, who painted himself as a skeleton in some of his paintings. And Benito's fascinated with the atomic bomb. This is also a reference to a Jefferson Airplane album called Crown of Creation with a big explosion on on the front. But this is a a very Benito shape for the atomic bomb explosion. It's almost kind of like a florid in a way. It has kind of a... It's it's pretty. I mean, this is this is interesting too. If I was going to ask JW, do you what, need a pointer what, someday? Uh, yeah, can we? I need a laser pointer. Um, what type of hair that would be? You know, J Dub. What what do you think? That's kind of representative of the corner corners there. Yeah, facial hair, maybe. <laughs> this is also a, a self portrait to a certain extent because those are Benito's teeth. Oh no, kidding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. So it's very Benito. About as straight as mine. Yeah, huh? <laughs> very Benito. It's got like seven or eight different references. We could talk about it for a long time. Yeah. It's, it's really Is he awesome. a cool guy? Yes, very. Yeah. And it's super, super cool in person for like He's one of the, what, what's what's the story with him in the, in the Eamon Carter? He, he's uh, at the time he was, uh, he hung two big works in the entrance of the Eamon Carter. I don't know which iteration of the Eamon Carter it was, but it's been a little while. But he was the only living artist to show in the Eamon Carter at that no time. Kidding. That's amazing. Did he grow up around here? Uh, he's from El, uh, um Corpus Christi originally, and then uh, lived in Houston. Then he moved out to San Francisco in the late '60s and did concert promotion and designed posters and rock posters. So he hung out with the Stones and he was at Altamont, you know that sort of thing. Oh yeah, yeah. His wife, uh, in fact, Janet Chafee, is the art teacher at Trinity Valley High School. Oh no, kidding! Yeah. Oh man, no, those teeth are representative too of Grateful Dead. Steal your face, like they look a lot like from that era. And Benito in his studio has got this big bookshelf full of LPs. Rick Griffin and yeah, stuff like all that. that. He yeah. would know all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. This is a popular one around Fort Worth. Yes, Billy Hassel. Um, this one's called Night Garden. It's a He did a couple of different versions of this image. Um, this one is a, the big uh, a big painting that he did. I believe it's 60 by 72. Um, Billy is very involved with the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. He does a lot of conservation work for them. He does a lot of work for them. He's featured in their catalogs to raise money for conservation uh, he's also very interested in uh, flora and fauna texas especially so all of this even though it's stylized is um 
physiologically correct. Um, and if you have a painting with more, he did a big commission of uh, the Davis Mountains, but all these different lizards and flowers and uh, animals, everything that he could think of to put in the painting that was out there. And they're all anatomically correct. Do you uh, think that like maybe he was painting this in the, like the thing that sticks out to me, this doesn't happen at night, man. Like the bees aren't out, the yeah, birds yeah. aren't out, you know? And right. so it's like, maybe he was trying to paint a day picture and he couldn't get the background right. He's like, screw it. I'll just paint it black and then call it garden at night or something. No, I think, um, or I think it just comes, I think that's just an artistic choice uh, yeah. that he thought it would look, he thought it would make, and I'm just speculating the bird, the blue jay really pop yeah, against the does, black. It does for sure. Yeah. And, uh, it's kind of surreal, you know, um, he has, he's evolved into, uh, a very particular style yeah um that's real but also stylized uh and i think there's this component of whimsy and surrealism involved in billy's work too yeah this is jt grant who's a, nice. a, a, Fort, like a fort worth painter this one is uh 78 inches by 132 inches how and much we, uh i think it's at 42 right now can you yeah. buy that for me Jacob? it's it's really fantastic on that this was part of a show that JT did that was mostly skyscapes. Um, That's beautiful, they're man. They're beautiful, yeah. But there's also the, the horizon is skewed. Um, it's supposed to give you ever so slightly a sense of being somewhat unbalanced. Yeah. And uh, even though there's this big open skyscape, JT uses this Texas skies a lot for his inspiration because there's a, this permanence about it, but also it's it remains dynamic it's constantly changing painted from a photo uh he takes photos as reference but no it's an original image the reason i ask is if you think about take this is the way your camera would show it this is like what a what one of us if we were like oh man let's take a picture of the sunset or the this sky yeah we would have that tilted it, it's like it's so representative yeah. of a photo you know right you can it's find beautiful. his works all over town. I mean, they're, they're in all the big it's clubs. Gorgeous, I believe. Man, the way yeah. he captures that though, it's crazy good. And again, it, I you just have to see it in person. I don't know how else to say that, but I'll come, it, I'll come see it. Yeah, yeah, you should. Till when? Uh, this one's actually at his studio right now, but uh, it's around. We could go see it for sure. Could you take a different currency? Maybe uh, can we? Can you buy with Bitcoin there at the studio or I think JT Klikai? Only deals in cash. This guy might take your Bitcoin though. This guy, he's 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 very oh, forward, yeah. forward thinking. I believe. I know who this is. This is our buddy John John, Holt. John yeah. Smith. <laughs> okay, uh, explain the process because it's otherwise you're gonna yeah. you know. So John Holt takes a digital image and then he has uses his Mac to take the color sequence of that image, and um, so he he extracts the colors digitally out of out of the image and it just basically creates this sequence of them this linear sequence how this, do you do that with piece of software uh, so, yeah okay. i don't know exactly but yeah he, he's able that's it's pretty quick yeah know? and then um he works with that sequence and manipulates it till he gets gets it the way that he wants it and this one is an he does the linear ones with parallel lines those are called his sequence paintings this mm -hmm. one is part part of the oculus series ongoing oculus series and um, he had that oculus word out way before yeah yeah the meta friends right mm -hmm. <laughs> way before and this is painted um hand painted with an airbrush acrylic on aluminum it's winds up being about 230 colors eventually is he spinning that 
he has a mechanism that spins the platform. And he's just holding the brush? He, then he paints it all by hand, yeah. But the thing comes out square, so there's something that's going on. I mean, well, he so you get a cut piece of aluminum that's a square, yeah, and then you you set it up on top of this uh, spindle mm -hmm. that spins the whole square. Oh, but it's not at a high rate of speed. No, no, it's real slow. Oh, and he I does it was like no, 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 you know? no. It doesn't spin it out. It just spins it so that he doesn't have to move his hand around the platform. It moves. Does he have to hold a hand with two hands? Yeah, he paints them by hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all those. I don't know if he uses two, but they're beautiful. You know, yeah. like I mean, the like the whole thing there is that color is just like. Oh yeah. What can those things exist in the same place? You know, like yeah. if you've ever traveled internationally to all your surfing uh, adventures, I just saw one in Meg the when, Customs U.S. Customs when you come DFW out of Airport. when you come out of DFW Customs. Yeah. There's a large. Uh, what do you call it? A vertical. So no, it, it was like multiple circles, I thought. Or maybe uh, it was in the Terminal D. Yeah, he's got a few over there. I know there's a yeah. really large sequence, so which is just sequence, vertical. Yeah. That's the one vertical. I was yeah. to. Yeah. There used to be one at Shady Oaks, too, in the stairwell. I don't know if they still have that or not. No, the colors are just like, what? And again, in person, they'll they they'll make you kind of, yeah. like, you know, yeah. wobble a little bit because yeah. there's so much vibration involved. You can get kind of vertigo almost a little bit looking at them. The first like time, the first I like time I looked at it, my eyes around uh, each circle individually, <laughs> from beginning, like in the center to the outside. Boy, that'll that'll put, so he, put you out right there. And I feel like Cole, who ate at uh, a shrimp place here afterwards. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. How yeah. old a guy? How old a guy is John Holt? Uh, I think he's about ten years older than me, fifty-two or so, fifty-three. Yeah. Yeah, he's got he's he's pretty awesome around here around town. So, well, Peel, that concludes the Bank Tex or Bank Tex, the Cap Tex Bank. Uh, the slideshow. Thank you for. Uh, yeah, thank you. I was trying to get some my applause, pleasure. but we can put some in after. Thank. What yeah, is what does the future hold for William Campbell other than the new gallery? What's uh, to come. Well, we're gonna continue to. I think explore what we can do with the gallery. Um, the within the last year. Yeah, about fifteen months. You know, we've opened up the new space, and we'll let that kind of settle in, and um, you know, keep keep trying to put together great shows. Um, is that because it's like there's a lot of artists like let's get more? Is that kind of the reason or No, we needed a bigger space, mm -hmm. really. We only have like seven foot ten inch ceilings at buyers. So this JT Grant painting, we cut six inches off the top of it just to get it in the oh, yeah. what's that like for an artist? Is well, like he gave us what we really did was cut the stretchers down mm -hmm. and then we 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 walked it into the gallery and I restretched it in the front gallery at Byers and put it up on the wall. We just folded the top six or eight inches mm -hmm. behind it. So it's yeah. still there. So the one over on White Center is kind of more warehouse space. Like yeah, it's, it's like a 12 to 14 foot ceilings, yeah. natural light, yeah. skylights, um, tile floors. Oh, cool. It's kind of it's just a different kind of feel. Is the Fort Worth art scene strong, would you say? Yes, I think so. We just concluded Spring Gallery Night, um, the Fort, but the Fort Worth scene is still alive and well. Yeah, the Fort Worth scene is strong. Um, everybody wanted to get back out there. This was, uh, I was surprised at how many people came out for Spring Gallery Night. It really? was packed all over town. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And does that mean a lot of transactions or just more people like me? Like, it's oh, just, just like to see. It mostly, it's Spring Gallery Night is a party. Yeah. 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 But they'll come back. The people that really want to, you know, you can't see the art when it's shoulder to shoulder, and everybody knows that. Yeah. But uh, the the people that are really interested will come back. That's been happening this week already. But are some people just coming to like discover new stuff, like just to kind of hear the buzz about the yeah. new artist and yeah, stuff, sure. and just yeah. kind of kind of figure out like how it was done? Like, I think that the like manufacturing process is. 
probably the most fascinating aspect of it, you know. I love to do the studio visits and that sort of thing. And it's a lot of fun to um, get to flip the work over and, and handle it, yeah. actually, uh, until it's not fun. Yeah. <laughs> but Until you drive to St. Yeah. Louis at 2 a.m. Yeah, yeah. Or you <laughs> drop it or yeah. some nightmare, yeah. nightmares do come true as yeah. far as that's concerned. But yeah. mo- for the most part, it's fun. It's really cool to see how it's put together. And yeah. a lot of artists are very particular about what the backs look like, you know. Well, being an artist, uh, I got to believe you love doing this job. You speak to these things so well. It's it's really fascinating to hear thank some you. of the some of the uh, details that you shared. So, thank you for coming on, Peeler. Before thank we you go, before you go, we have one question we ask all our guests. Aside from the lovely Trish and the children that you you, you call your own, what is the best day of your whole life? The best day of my whole life. Well, I wouldn't like to uh, to cut today short. It's not over yet. So fair. That's yeah. a great, great answer we've been getting. Well, thank you, Peeler things. Howell, William Campbell Gallery. We appreciate the time, man. Lovely to, to catch up and hear what's going on. Thank uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you, thank Cap you. Fix Bank. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Um, give them a shot, you guys. They're worth, they're worth your time. Thank you, JW. Yep. Thank you. Your hair looks really thank good you, today at the end of yes. this one. You your, your, your hairs look good, too. Thank you, guys. Or two, or, 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 or,